Hello, and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. Cisco leads the industry when it comes to respected and valued IT infrastructure certification paths. And last month, Cisco made some significant changes to the way they do their certifications. Today, we're going to take some time discussing some of these changes, what the implications are for those of us who are pursuing new certifications or those of us who are maintaining the certifications we already hold. Joining me today to talk about this are actually three people who've been working on developing content for some of these new certifications. So it's an interesting angle, I think, as uh, as we'll go along here, because these are people who've been, I say, neck deep into this content for uh, for a few months now, where some of us are just getting uh, exposure to it. And uh, the people joining me today are Nick Russo. I mean, he's been on quite a few times, so you all should be familiar with him by now. Uh, but two first time guests, Kyler Milton and Craig Stansbury. So guys, thanks for coming to the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess where we should start, I think that one of the the most often complained about things in certification is the fact that they lag reality. I, I hear this all the time. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do the certification. I'm going to study things that were relevant five, 10 years ago, not things that I'm doing today. And it seems like Cisco has heard this. I know that they've introduced, you know, uh, evolving or emerging technologies. And it seems like there's been a real focus on, on what they've done. Has that been your experience, Nick? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think what we started to see is several years ago, it was about four years ago. I think, I mean, I think Cisco has known it for longer, but they started to take action about four years ago when they introduced the evolving technologies as 10% of the CCIE written exams in the summer of 2016. And that was, I thought, a pretty good first step. Um, obviously, there were some there were some problems and some shortcomings of that approach. Namely, number one, you won't get any exposure at the lower levels of certification, which includes the vast majority of people who are testing. Uh, and two, it was limited to a written exam where you can really only demonstrate proficiency kind of quickly. Uh, but in either case, I thought it was a good first step. Um, it included topics, you know, the the main three topic areas were cloud, SDN, and IoT, Internet of Things, and they stuck with that for about two years. In the summer of 2018, they redid the blueprint and they called it the version 1.1 evolving technology. Basically, they changed uh, just they added some new topics, removed some topics that weren't as important. Uh, There was actually less of a focus on DevOps type stuff and more on network programmability, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, Of course, there's been all manner of market solutions to that. Uh, I wrote a little free book. There's a Cisco press book. There's probably some video training out there. Um, I've seen smaller pocketbooks available. So the market responded as you would typically expect when there's a new demand and people will supply solutions to that. And I was part of that and that was kind of cool. Um, but again, it was still limited to CCI written. And what we've seen recently, last summer at, at Cisco Live, so 2019, a uh, big announcement about how all the exams are changing and how these evolving technologies are going to be integrated across the entire exam portfolio, down from the uh, associate level exams all the way up to expert and horizontally, not just vertical, but also horizontal across all the different technical disciplines. So like Craig, for example, has been doing a lot of security content at Pluralsight and uh, we've been working together um, just talking behind the scenes about what kind of automation topics are relevant for security because you know his expertise is in the, in the traditional security space and some of the newer security tech. And we've been talking about how can APIs play a role and how can those be business drivers to help improve security, uh, not just to pass the test, but also to learn the technical skills that are relevant for businesses today. That's interesting. So it, definitely more ingrained. I mean, it feels that way. And obviously we see the fact that there's new tracks, right? Like it's not just new tracks, but they're across the board. Is there anything else? I mean, like it seems like 
I will say one of the things that, that seemed as an outlier when Cisco made their original announcement was design. So it felt like being a CCIE and, and knowing about the CCDE and knowing lots of people have gone through that process, CCDE kind of just like got left off to the side. <laughs> and, and, and all the other processes changed and CCDE is going to be the same process as it's been for a while, I guess. But it seems like as we came along, there's more design focus kind of broadly. Is that true? Yeah, I would say that. Um, and I, I don't know the exact details because I've, you know, after achieving so many CCIEs and CCDE, I don't think I'm going to get any more. But uh, my understanding is that now three. <laughs> after, after, after getting so many of them, you know. Yeah, I, I so, yeah. You know, casually put out there. Yeah. That's what yeah, you are. Yeah, the lab exams, the CCIE lab exams now have uh, have what I believe to be a three hour design section. And of course, I haven't seen it yet. And since the exams have only been out two weeks, I imagine that very few people have actually taken any and very few people have actually seen it. Um, but I would imagine it includes CCDE style questioning. Um, and again, this is, you know, this is not NDA, so I can say this, but you know, in general, when you take a CCDE, you go in, you get some background information about a business, you learn about their IT problems, and then you, over the course of a two hour scenario, you get more and more documentation that explains what's going on. It's like, hey, you know, designer, we're trying to solve this problem. You've read the 10 page report on our network. What extra information do you need to continue? I would imagine that we'll see those kinds of things, except with technology specific focuses on all the different uh, technology areas. Um, so I think that's a good step because in addition, I, I kind of see two big, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, Jordan, the lack of evolving technologies as a big uh, gap in current certifications. And I agree hundred percent with that. But what I also think is a big gap is a lack of business focus and the lack of outcomes. Cause oftentimes you're just answering multiple choice questions without context. You're not really solving any problems and it's hard to tie what you're doing together in some meaningful way. And obviously that impacts business outcomes in real life. This is why I was personally attracted to the CCDE because I liked that the business outcome was integral to passing the test. In fact, if you didn't understand it, there was no way you would ever get through it. And I think that the new design focus as, you know, three eighths of the test basically for the lab exams is going to help drive people to think, okay, I understand all the details of this routing protocol or all the details of this security technology, but how can I apply them in the context of a real, or I should say a fictitious company, but a, a real relatable type company? Uh, how can I apply those skills to actually get an outcome that helps the business win in the market or reduce cost or whatever it is that they're trying to do? Because a lot of times in a lab exam, you're just, and Jordan, you know, it's just a race against the clock. You're, you're typing a thousand words a minute. You're trying to get all the tasks done and you don't really feel like other than the very short tactical problems right in front of your face, you're not really doing much more than that. So I feel like this makes the exams a little more strategic, makes them more business relevant. And with the evolving technology rolled in, I think it's a, a huge improvement. I like that it's a balance. And so when I say that, I, I feel like the, the complaint about design, while 100% fair, um, I think missed the purpose of what the CCIE was historically. Right? It was it was a technical exam about you know really understanding how the, the nuts and bolts of how things put together and how they work. And I think it's important because that's the reason why they give you this absolutely crazy topology that you would never, ever do in the real world is because you have to understand like every bit and, and just how those things work together. Um, and you're not going to do that unless you push the edges and the boundaries of those technologies. Like that's when you really understand how they work and what they do. Um, but I do feel like it's missing. Like, how can you, <laughs> how can you have someone who calls themselves an expert <laughs> who can't, who can't speak to actually meeting the business need, right? There's a technical expert and then there's the, then there's the, the, the business design expert. And I love that they're together now. I love that it's not, you know, mutually exclusive. I like the idea that the whole test is not just design. 
because I still feel like you need to push those boundaries and do some things that you would never do in a real network to actually like discover, <laughs> you know, does it, does a candidate really know the, the little niches of this protocol and, and how these things work? But on the other end of that, that can't be the whole thing. You got to be a bit more well-rounded. I'll be curious to see um, if, if finding the middle ground here makes the test better or makes it more meh. Right. Because sometimes when you compromise, like, is it better to have it as two separate distinct things or is it better to have it deeply integrated? And I don't know yet. I'll be curious to see as people start seeing the exam what that looks like. Yeah, I think I think we'll start to see people taking the test seriously towards the end of this calendar year. Um, as you know, Jordan, you know, for probably the whole month of January and even back into December, people were rushing to take the old exams before the changeover. And then on, you know, D-Day. There's no one testing. Oh, I'm sure you time. could get a slot anytime you want to right now. Yeah. <laughs> and people a lot just of people now, looking to be the guinea pigs on the new exam. There's probably a lot of people just now getting serious about their studies for it. And, you know, as you know, that's a six months if you're good, 12 months if you're average process of studying and labbing and stuff. So I, I think it'll be some time before we start to see a lot of a lot of traction and a lot of feedback there. But again, I've got my eye out for the blogs and the the YouTube reaction videos from people who do it. Cause I'm, I'm curious as much as you are to see how the, uh, how the test change and how people feel about it. Yeah. So Kyler and Craig, I mean, you guys kind of have, you know, different disciplines and different focus areas. Are you, are you seeing the same things that we're talking about here? Yeah, I would say, uh, since, um, the exam switched over on February 24th that I've noticed some pickup on, on the content I've produced, but, um, before that, yeah, it was pretty much everybody studying, trying to get, trying to get their, from my perspective, the CCMP security, trying to get, you know, one of the four, four exams completed in time before, before that February 24th cutover. <laughs> yeah, that pushes are always there. I saw, you know, lots of people on Twitter who were pushing for either the last exam of a certification or whatever. Uh, what is interesting to me I th also as well is the, is the recertification path. So it used to be, you know, you had to take a single test at the value of whatever your highest certification was and you research it all the way down. And it's not that way anymore. At least it's not that way for the CCIE, which of course is, you know, what I'm most interested in because that's the, the level that I'm at. There's no single test option anymore unless you take the CCDE written is my understanding. And that now it's a lot more focus on continuing education. So continuing education was introduced as an option what, like two or three years ago, something like that. And maybe even four <laughs> time goes fast. Every time I say a number like that, everyone comes back and goes like, no, that was five years ago. It's time flies. But um, CE was introduced recently, relatively recently. And now it seems to be like the path forward. And I, I think it's interesting. So I don't know how much you guys have, have looked into like what that recertification path looks like uh, or have any thoughts or comments there. Um, but I know that I've been looking cause I'm, I'm doing the next year to research my IE. And so like, <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out like, what does that path look like? In fact, I'm probably going to be consuming some of your content. <laughs> yeah. So there's like one of those exams. Yeah. It, there's a, it, it's useful because you know, the old rules used to be when they, I think they introduced it two or three years ago. So it's really not that old. Um, and everyone was happy about it because they got sick of taking the written exams and the CE gave them a few more options. So you could go to get CIS credits from going to Cisco live sessions. You could take a written test or you could do training. And that was cool. Uh, and that was a pretty good first step. And I think Cisco acknowledged that it was a first step and not the final solution, as we've seen based on the new changes. But uh, now it's 120 points, but there is a lot of different paths to get there. Now, so that's specifically for 
IE. Yeah, that's it, right. It's not 120. Like e each level has a different number of CE. That's right. Required. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have all the numbers. 80 or 100 for NP and something yeah, like it goes that. Down yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a there's a web. You know, you go to their website and it gives you a whole bunch of paths. So just as an example, I recertified recently by passing a core exam and a specialty exam, and the two of those together count as a recertification. Um, now those, the thing that's a little confusing is that the exams themselves aren't worth points explicitly, but if you look at this sheet and you just look at the different options, you can kind of infer what the rough point value of each exam is. But if you look at the, you know, again, but if you look at the sheet, it, it'll say something like take two specialty exams and get 40 CE points. Take one specialty exam and get 80 CE points. Take one core exam and one specialty exam. And, right. you know, these are just different things. You can, you can reverse do. engineer what each tab yeah. So <laughs> roughly, again, this is, you know, the, the math isn't precise and it's not written like this on Cisco's website, but a core exam is worth 80 points and a specialty is worth 40. So if you take one of each, like I did, you'll get the 180, uh, sorry, the 120. Right. Um, but there's a lot of different paths. You can do all CE points. I think um, you can do a mix of different exams. But I think what's interesting, like you said, Jordan, you don't have to take an exam at that same level. You know, so I took two professional level exams and managed to research a whole bunch of E-level tests. And the same is true for you know other certifications based on the point values as well. So I thought that was kind of cool because it encourages people to branch out, you know, rather than me saying, oh, I got to research my CCIE. You know, instead of me having to make a decision, do I retake a written I've already passed five years ago or do I go 100% effort and take a, a new written in a topic I've never done before, which is an enormous lift. Uh, or I could just say, you know what, maybe I'll take a collection of courses, a couple mid-level certifications I feel like are more achievable and achieve the same recertification outcome without needing to make that decision. Um, without needing to make that difficult kind of binary black or white decision, I can choose a, a more you know, compromise approach and, and pick some mix of technologies and broaden my skill set that way. And I think that's a really, really great thing. Uh, one other minor administrative detail is that the $300 transaction fee is no longer a thing. So when you have enough points, you get automatically recertified and your research date becomes three years from the day that you do it. So just as a, as kind of a humorous example, my research date was 21 February, uh, 2023. So it was about three years. I took my test on the 27th of February, and guess what? My research date got updated by six days to 27 February, 2023. So I really didn't gain much there, but just to prove the point is that it takes whatever day you earn your 120 or whatever points, add three years to it, and, and that's that. Uh, so the concept of a window, that that two-year window that doesn't appear to, and it's not really anniversary-based anymore as far as I can tell. So this is kind of an interesting uh, difference is, you know, you're used to recertifying, you know, I was used to doing February 21st every two years over this period of time. And now it's 27 February. And if I recertify uh, again, you know, next summer, let's just say, then it'll be that date plus three years. So it's kind of interesting how that works now. Yeah, it's a lot of changes for those of us who hold expert levels. I mean, this, this is the way that professionals have professional associate ex exams have worked the entire time. You had a three year window, you, you take whatever needs to be done to, to renew and it renews as of that date. And yep. th there's no there's no hand holding, um, and I think that uh, CCIE has been set apart for such a long time, being the first and not necessarily being part of the certification you know group there at Cisco, kind of kind of being its own little fiefdom for a while. Now it's getting integrated in. We're seeing seeing the the merger of the two, uh, and so now it the the positive is exactly what you said is it's consistent. So across the board, it doesn't matter how you or what level you are at or what you're doing, you're going to have you know your prescribed paths. 
to renew. And the moment that you have enough points to renew, you're renewed, which is what it's been like for everywhere else. Where my only complaint about this is, is, is completely personal and situational is that because of those windows, uh, it used to be for CCIE that when you renewed, you renewed within the window and it renewed from when it expired. Now, like you said, you took these tests. You, you had three years still or whatever it was, and you gained six days because you did what was required. Before, if you had done that and reserted within your window, it would have gone out three years or two years. Yeah, from, it would have added two more years. From the end of your certification. So now I feel like there's going to be more effort required because people like no one's going to wait till the very end because you lose it. There's going to be more effort required because you're going to actually end up recert recertifying more often. Uh, because if I go and accidentally, cause I want to go down some other path, not accidentally, but you know, incidentally end up researching my CCIE, uh, before that would have, you know, sent that out another three years. I didn't have to worry about it and, you know, take care of it when we get closer. Now, all of a sudden, like we're, we're watching these, these timelines again. And it's just like CCNP and CCNA have been all along. It's no different, but we shouldn't have to live that way. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one thing, though, is that now that the timeline is three years instead of two, I think that there might just just based on that expansion, we might not see. Uh, I mean, I think everyone's right going to everyone's going to wait the two years. Yeah, that's probably and, what's do, and do it in the third year. And then right. and then they would have done it when what would have classically been suspended state. And they're just not suspended. Right. I mean, my, my goal is going to be I want to achieve about, you know, between 80 and 100 in the first two years and then just hang out with those 80 or hundred points. This and, is what's going to happen yeah. is everyone's going to play the game. I know I am. I'm going to go like, I want to do, you know, the core dev test. Like I want to, I want to go do that test. So I'm going to go do that test. It's worth 80 points. We just talked about that, you know, not officially, but we know it's worth 80 points. It's not enough on its own to research, but I'm going to do that. And it's going to take some uplift to get there. So I'm going to work on it and I'm going to do that soon. And then as I'm getting closer to the end, I'm going to go do those other 40 points. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I'm either going to take a, a, a class or I'll do another like specialization test that I should be able to, to do quickly. So that I get the most of my time um, when it comes to that research. And, you know, just for me, I was trying to, I was completely trying to little anecdotal story. I was completely trying to game the system because uh, I am, I'm at my, when it pushed to three years, I was going to get to seven years. <laughs> so if I could push it right to the very end and renew and then get three, I'd be at 10 and I could go emeritus if I wanted to. And, right. and with this system, I just think it's going to be impossible to do that. <laughs> There's just no way to game the system. So I'm a little bit frustrated, but it's, I'll get over it. I'll just have to research twice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll even go emeritus, but it's one of those things. Yeah. So, um, so moving on, um, so there's lots of changes to the actual certifications that so we talked about to the recertification process, the content uh, is becoming what I think is way more relevant when it comes to both the, the focus on uh, programmability and automation and, and a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> and also a lot of the design components. How is that changing the way that we do the training? Um, obviously with changes in content and changes in the way certification, I mean, our training approach, I would imagine has to have some, some changes. I don't know. Uh, Craig, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think you mentioned in the intro both, or all three, Nick, Kyler, and I are authors for Pluralsight. And so obviously we're kind of biased, but I think that puts Pluralsight in a very strong position, just as we talked about earlier, since it's, you know, for me, the CCMP security, it's not just your traditional firewalls, IPSs, uh, device hardening. Now you have things that admittedly I'm, I'm less familiar with, um, such as uh, Python scripts, automation. Um, 
cloud. And so Pluralsight has traditionally been like a DevOps training platform. So I think they're a very good um, platform for students to come in and learn because, you know, for me, even actually as an instructor, there were times when I wasn't fully up to speed on different topics. So very quick to find a couple so different courses out there to train myself in order to get the initial research done in order to kind of dive deeper and figure out what kind of strategically what I need to to plan for. So, so you're thinking more like a ecosystem type approach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely different than just, you know, uh, very it's cause the, the tests themselves, I believe now overlap even more so than they did before. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the same, same content that Nick's doing, um, in mine. Um, obviously he's diving deeper. So it's, it's definitely a unique situation and definitely new from what, you know, students would be used to. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we had these very narrow pillars of, mm -hmm. of knowledge that, that when you think about traditional certifications, like I thinking about, uh, let's just take the last generation of CCNP routing and switching. Cause that's what I'm familiar with where we had three tests like route switch troubleshoot. Right. And so you, you go in, you learn your routing protocols and you have your very narrow focus on your routing protocols and you go in, you learn your switching and then you go learn, you know, then you do your troubleshooting, which there really wasn't any specific focus on that. But the idea is like you kind of you could break it down into these these narrow buckets of things that you needed to learn and understand and go take that test. But now with with the inclusion of these technologies, it's almost like, you know, I got to go. And it's not just within the, the sphere, like with yours, you said security specifically. I don't just need to learn the security, you know, portfolio and what tools are available to me and those types of things. But I also then have to go learn this automation and some design components as well, which I think will start getting wrapped up into those trainings. I mean, like I mean, they have to at some point, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. I mean, I mean, but it's nice right now because of the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of going back to what you're no, you're fine. Uh, going back to what you're saying earlier, um, like obviously, there's times when I'm I'm focused on these new developing. Uh, technologies but then like as i'm going throughout the rest of the content i mean even just firewalling and and ips you're you keep going back to okay and this is how these evolving technologies will relate into this so you i feel like it's really rounding it out um which before you know as as a candidate going for my np security it was very you know a b c d yeah it makes sense uh so kyler how about you are you seeing big changes in the way you're either having to approach content or, you know, even just approach the, the exams themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a really interesting and, and frankly, odd marriage to put these DevOps technologies, which are changing every day, together with Cisco route switch, which has been almost the same, just changing really slowly and, and granularly for the past 20 years. So I think covering both of them within the same exams is is interesting because you have this really bedrock technology of route switch and also this really modern rapid cloud friendly technologies of, of DevOps and, and building infrastructure in an automated way. So I, I think it's really interesting and great to see Cisco modernizing and embracing these modern technologies because cloud is quite literally eating the world here. So it's, it's great to see them uh, sort to catch up. You bring up a good point. I think that it'll be interesting to see how, as time goes along, how they adjust to these technologies adjusting. I think Nick had said it earlier, they had made adjustments to their evolving tech, but that was over the course of a year or two years between when they did the initial release and, and when they did their update with how quickly things are changing in, in you know, the DevOps style of doing things and the tools that are available and, and almost seems like, um, 
there's a flavor of the week kind of mentality sometimes in some of the tools that are out there. I'm, I'm curious to see because, I mean, I think the, the industry is coalescing a bit. I think that it's maturing and as it's maturing, that will happen less. But it has mm-hmm. kind of been the wild, wild west, which is not where uh, Cisco's game has been <laughs> right they've been in like you said these bedrock technologies and dealing with these with these uh you know very long-standing non non-volatile technology so it'll be interesting to see how these uh exams develop because i think that's one of the 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 complaints when we talked about the the fact that the content was stale was often because it could be it was you know like cisco's not going to be able to rest on their laurels on this they're going to have to stay on top of it and so absolutely how they when i first about that. started studying for the at the ie route switch one of the books that was recommended for me to read was tcip uh foundations which is a 23 year old book so it's, it's oh, yeah, there's certainly some foundational knowledge <laughs> that is still very relevant today but has been well established and, and will not change so much anymore so I, I see a note in here, a uh, big change regarding to a specific exam, <laughs> three hundred nine ten DevOps. What is that? What is that all about? It's it's interesting. It's it's funny. It's a when I say odd marriage, it's an odd marriage for me here as well because it doesn't involve Cisco stuff. I mean, Cisco platforms is in the name, but as far as I can tell, there is no Cisco references in any of the exam topics. There's no uh, Cisco platform, no Cisco cloud for me to build things on on top of. It's just them trying to be more friendly towards the generalized cloud friendly DevOps tools and procedures and processes that are becoming so much more prevalent for operations engineers these days, which is automating infrastructure provisioning, which is managing infrastructure with tools, uh, building tooling to do your job rather than doing it yourself. So I, I love to see it. And I it's interesting to me that Cisco's offering it because of how maybe little it involves Cisco yet. Maybe we'll see a Cisco cloud coming around the corner in the next couple of years. Didn't but I try that at one point? In that space yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I also, so, I mean, this, I think speaks to one of the things I think has been an invalid complaint about Cisco certification paths for the, for a long time is the fact that, you know, they are all generated specifically to get you working on Cisco gear. And, and that's the only reason why they do it. And I've actually found the Cisco certification path, especially the further along you go to be less and less about the gear and more and more about the technology. And like, I feel like the stuff I've learned in my, in, in my whole process is widely applicable. Now, obviously I'm implementing it on a Cisco CLI, which of course benefits them. So I understand the nature of that complaint. So it is interesting that, you know, you're showing surprise that there's an exam that has no Cisco content on it whatsoever or Cisco, you know, systems on it whatsoever. And I agree that is different than what we've we've seen historically, but I don't think that Cisco's done it for that reason. I think ultimately they want, you know, to be able to say that, Hey, you know, this person can run a Cisco network in the tools that are required to run it today. Now, historically that's been their CLI. So that's just what it was. But now that people are are getting out of that, it is interesting though, because a lot of these technologies are coming with the idea of abstracting away uh, your, your direct interface with the equipment. And a lot of the driver for that is so that I can swap something out and necessarily have to, you know, relearn the, uh, the interface. So I'm, I'm curious you know, obviously Cisco saying, I'm not too worried about that. You know, they're, they're saying our, our gear is good enough. So, it'll speak on its own and we'll, we'll support learning these tools, but it is interesting because a lot of the, the drive to doing the, the abstraction is that I don't want to be just so focused on one specific vendor implementation. I want to be thinking at a higher level. It's interesting. Absolutely. That's a great point. I think it is, it's sort of ironic and interesting to see 
uh, Arista broke off from Cisco and their language was so similar to Cisco's that they ended up in this legal lawsuit. And now we're trying to build these standardized interfaces for hardware. So it's the world just goes in circles. It's interesting <laughs> to watch it happen. I, I, I use the pendulum. <laughs> we, we have a, mm-hmm. we, we have a very, uh, uh, a patternized approach to things and we tend to swing very far one way and very far the next way and it would just keep going back and forth and so we'll be interesting to see where the next pendulum swing is so uh, one of the things i think is interesting is is this whole approach to you know focus on development and api and all these things that are there that's getting ingrained into the regular tests but then there's a whole different category of tests that specifically for people who are focusing on this area of of networking, right? So it's not just that, you know, you're going to have to be able to speak to the programmability nature of, of the gear in your particular technology vertical. If you're learning route switch, how do I manage router switchers with, with that type of methodology? But there's actually a whole now, you know, DevNet class of certifications that didn't exist before February, right? So uh, you guys have been working on some of that content. So tell us about that. Like how, how does that differ from the, the development content that's in some of the other exams? So what makes DevNet a little bit different is, you know, like we said, we, we started off with some evolving technologies on the CCI written's and that was cool. We, we did a second gen of that in 2018 and that was even better when Cisco spread it out to the entire certification paths, you know, vertically and horizontally, basically saying, okay, everyone needs to know a little bit about this and how it relates to the specific products and solutions within each vertical. We also need to have people who are highly skilled in a more generic sense, kind of like Kyler was saying, is not necessarily being experts on Cisco products and architectures, but knowing how to interact with a wider variety of products using a wide variety of tools and techniques and procedures that are in line with this whole new DevOps way of working. And that's really what the uh, DevNet exams are trying to do at a basic level. Um, And just, you know, as you would expect, there's an associate level uh, certification. There's a professional level one. I think there's eight different concentrations. And of course, Kyler is focusing on one of them. Uh, I'm focusing on the enterprise one at this current time. So there's a, a few different options there. There's another six on uh, WebEx, IoT, service provider, data center, uh, collaboration. There's a there's a handful of others out there. And, uh, you know, th- that's really all, all it is today is there's an associate and a professional, you know, the expert hasn't been announced yet. I'm, <laughs> I really have no idea what that's going to look like. That's a whole nother ball of wax to be talked about in the future. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was an interesting move and, you know, I'll admit that, you know, a year ago when I, I wouldn't say a year ago, um, I, I only heard about it a few days before the announcement at Cisco live, just on some internal emails. And, you know, I was a little bit dubious or skeptical, I should say. And I was just like, well, what is this going to test? You know, are we just, are we going to test how good people can navigate the DevNet website? I mean, what are we really going to test? And I was pleasantly surprised once the uh, blueprints came out. And once I took three of the tests, uh, there's only 10 and I took three of them. So I have a pretty good coverage of uh, opinions on those. And I was pleasantly surprised overall at the quality of the exams and of the general topics that uh, were being tested on. So not only were the not only did I feel like the questions were generally pretty good and a good test of your skills, um, but I felt like the skills being tested in the first place on the blueprints was a pretty good representation of what modern network automation or modern software developers would be using. So I was overall pretty satisfied with how that turned out. And I think we're going to see a lot of interest there because people, you know, for example, let's say someone goes and watches uh, Craig's courses on uh, security and they're like, man, I, you know, 
okay, security's cool. I've always liked it, but now I've learned a little bit about APIs and I have these firewalls at my job and they have thousands of rules and I'm sick of using ASDM or whatever I have to use to manage them. Uh, maybe I should explore some other options. And now that Craig has taught them the basics of how those things work, maybe not provided a complete working professional grade solution. It doesn't really matter. Now they understand that there is an alternative. I mean, knowing is half the battle. Now that I know there is another way I could do this, they can research it, they can explore either the DevNet specific content, they can go to the DevNet website and look at the community forums and the sandboxes and all the other resources. So I feel like DevNet has really positioned themselves in a good spot because they have kind of, I don't want to say infected because that's not really a positive connotation word, but they've spread themselves into all the different certifications, which is going to draw interest to the DevNet mission. Uh, and I 100% support that. It's interesting. I, I I love how you glossed over. You took three tests there. You didn't just take three tests. You took them all in one day, which is I did. I did do a that. A feat that is 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 impressive to me. Um, having taken many Cisco tests over the years, I could not imagine stacking three back to back. Um, now luckily they were all in a, a single focus. They were all in this DevNet focus, right? So. They, they were all pretty focused and the uh, you know and if you drew kind of like a three uh, a three circle Venn diagram kind of thing, uh, they, they had a yeah. fair amount of overlap. I mean, of course, it was. Um, you know, the, the levels of depth were different, you know, and if I were to summarize each one, you know, the DevNet Associate, of course, was the most broad. It touched on the most topics, but it was also uh, the questions were probably simplest and least uh, least difficult, of course, just based on the fact that it's an associate test. Uh, DevCore was much more difficult. Everyone who I know who, have, who has taken this test used the entire time. I think I finished with one minute left uh, and I feel like I know this content pretty well. So it's a very, very tight time crunch. Questions are difficult. You need an in-depth knowledge on a, a relatively wide variety of technologies. And there's also a very strong application slash software development focus. And I think a lot of people, especially network people, they tend to think that these DevNet exams are really just network automation. That's not really true. Uh, there's a lot of just kind of divorced from networking software stuff. Um, now, of course, the specialist exams like Enterprise Automation or N-Auto, which is the specialist exam I took, was very much focused on network automation with enterprise products. The thing that made that exam a little weird is, you know, I've been doing Cisco stuff for almost 10 years now, and I've never taken a specialist exam. So that was my first one. What makes it different is that unlike the uh, the DevNet Associate and Professional Cores, which were maybe 20% or so Cisco products. This one was basically the inverse. It was more like 80% Cisco-specific knowledge. Now, even though the, the skills needed were generic, like you still need to know how to write a, a Python script, you still know, need to know how to read a Yang tree, but it was very Cisco-specific with Cisco-specific API stuff. And you, know, you look at the blueprint and that's expected because it's a Cisco-specific enterprise automation thing. And even though there are some general skills, you know, things like NetMiko and NC Client and RESCONF, things that are on the blueprint, um, you're going to get a lot more Cisco in it. So it's kind of interesting that I, I like the way they've done it, because kind of like Kyler said, there's the core stuff, which is a relatively low amount of Cisco. And then the specializations can vary widely from very heavy Cisco focus, like N-Auto and probably SP-Auto, uh, to very little or zero Cisco focus, like DevOps, which is what Kyler's doing. So there's a, a wide variety there of people who may have different interests and different levels of excitement about specific Cisco products that can choose from a, a pretty wide variety of specializations to achieve their certification goals. That's interesting. And I, I think it's probably fair as you get into those specialization exams, because I know like one of them is, uh, you know, Cisco SD-WAN, of course, <laughs> the exam's going to be on a Cisco product, like that's literally the entire exam, right? Like that's, that's what it is. But it is interesting in the automation course, especially when you get into enterprise networking, that it is 
so heavily focused when so much of the rest of the curriculum is not. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing to keep track of and then also pay attention to as we go along. You know, some of those complaints may, may, may still be around on those uh, Cisco indoctrinization via certification <laughs> type, type thoughts. No, I think it's a, we have an interesting opportunity here because we have three people on who all have developed content for exams that didn't exist. <laughs> and I think this is one of those things that's interesting as we watch new exams come out and I've been able to watch a, a few cycles of this. Um, there's usually like a shocked and surprised response that the exam comes out and there's not a lot of, of content out there for it. So I think it'd be interesting to talk through your process. Like how do you guys get involved in this? And then how did you, you know, like how do you develop content for an exam that, a, no one's ever seen before and, uh, and, and, and be ready for it so that your content's out there and, and ready. Like, you know, when people start needing to approach it. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give two kind of high level comments here and then I'll, I'll let Kyler and Craig give their opinions. Um, cause you probably, you probably just from listening to me talk, you've probably kind of derived how, how I think through it, but the, the two most important things is, uh, when, you know, if, if Pluralsight or anyone approaches you about doing training for a specific certification, one thing, at least at Pluralsight, one thing they're very clear about is that you're not generating training for the certification. You're generating training for the technical skills that the certification is testing on. Because at the end of the day, and people, you know, uh, people say this all the time, but but within our community, we actually mean it for real, is we want people to learn the topics and have skills and provide them a realistic business scenario that they can walk through. You know, our courses will follow some kind of scenario where a, a company is trying to solve a problem. We introduce the tools and techniques on the blueprint to solve that problem. Um, we don't mention the certifications in the courses because this isn't just a matter of attracting people who don't like certifications. It's also trying to create the right learning experience where the certificate, you know, gaining the knowledge of the certification is just the result, not the goal, uh, if that makes sense. So the goal has always been to focus on the con focus on the technical skills and, you know, you watch any of our courses from any of the three of us and between us, we've probably got, I don't know, 15 now just on the, um, you know, between the new Cisco stuff, but none of those courses are going to mention Cisco certs or blueprints or topics or exam numbers ever. Um, cause that's just not how we operate. Uh, the second thing is the only real thing, and this is maybe obvious. The only thing you have to go on is the blueprint. So you're really hoping that if you decide to do a course to teach the technical skills related to a certification, that the exam itself is going to follow the blueprint pretty closely. And I can say with confidence that the Cisco exams I took now of those three, some were better than others, uh, but of those three, they were generally aligned to the blueprints. And that means that the courses that we generally develop are good and they cover the, the totality of the topics you may be tested on. Um, that makes for a good exam when the topics are known and uh, professional authors and trainers can develop content around those blueprints without any advanced knowledge about the test or any other, you know, leaked information about what's being asked. That's how I think, you know, you've generated a good certification with a good exam is when people can do that. And I feel pretty confident in the, in the training that I've developed uh, that it meets that goal. And, uh, you know, maybe Kyler and Craig, you can share your opinions on, on how you feel about that too. When I, when I first started taking these exams, I had this incredibly naive notion that there was some sort of prearranged relationship between the the training providers like Pluralsight and the technology producers that wrote the exams like Cisco. And uh, come to find out that is not true at all. Like, like Nick said, we're just writing these uh, trainings based on the ex uh, exam blueprint. We're just doing our best to, to get it right. 
And I, I am behind Nick here. I haven't taken my uh, exam for the course that I'm producing at Pluralsight yet. And I just hope and pray that I'm getting it right. And uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I'll get a chance to take it soon and find out that, uh, please, please, that my course is, is close to the uh, exam and just hoping for the best there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Kyler. I haven't quite taken it yet, but it was um, just like you when, ah, geez, August, September, when we really, I started to really dive deep into this. I mean, you just kind of go line by line through the blueprint and what, like Nick said, what are the technologies that need to be learned here? So once I do take it, um, I will kind of revisit and make sure that number one, A, my courses that are covering the CCMP security score exam are accurate and if not you know that's fine just we'll just readjust we'll we'll edit as needed and and you know and as these tests develop you know maybe a couple of years later there's even other technologies that weren't covered or or however these these tests iterate we'll just adjust and make sure that the um the learner has the knowledge needed not not only to pass a certification but like nick said more importantly to to be a good network engineer in my case network security engineer and just kind of keep rolling yeah, yeah, Kyler, you had an interesting point there too about the fact that there's there's not like some official tie-in on the back end, and I think I think that I think people would expect that more with someone like Pluralsight, who they understand is an, is an independent, you know, uh, entity away from Cisco. I think that what people might find interesting is that's generally true also for the official <laughs> uh, certification guides, like the people who write those. You know, it's a lot of smart guys who are doing the exact same thing that you guys are talking about. And that is work from the blueprint develop content on the technology around the blueprint and they're working on those guides before they've even seen a test, right? Like they haven't had a chance to go take the test. And so uh, the official certification guys often I hear complaints about it's, it doesn't cover everything or it doesn't do whatever. And it's because of the same constraints you guys are working with. Like it's not, there's no, there's no one who gets early access to the test and gets to write, you know, the content based off the test. And ultimately you wouldn't want that. Um, as an engineer, I mean, I guess it's what your purpose is kind of like what Nick said, you know, for those of us who want to be good engineers and do these things well, it's about learning the technology and the certification is just kind of a byproduct. <laughs> and, and so long as you're approaching it that way, it's all good. But yeah, I think that's, uh, it's, I think that's a, probably a good place to wrap things up here. It's a really interesting conversation. There's lots of, uh, lots of changes as it relates to the certification path, but I think most of them are generally positive. I mean, like I, having a hard time finding a lot of negative uh, and what's going on here. So but before we completely wrap it up, I want to give everyone an opportunity to kind of share where they might be found online, uh, just in case someone wanted to engage with you anymore. If it isn't clear, you can go to Plural site. <laughs> this is not Nat, I swear. <laughs> so uh, Plural site got a you know a bunch of free uh, free press today, but that's all right. You guys uh, are smart guys and, and doing good work. So there's no reason not to uh, plug that a bit. So you can go and, and check out those courses if you want to. But besides Plural site, let's start with you, Kyler. Where can people find you? Sure. So I'm uh, KylerMiddleton.com. I managed to, to bag the uh, name.com nice. address and on Twitter uh, at KyMid, K-Y-M-I-D-D. Okay. Uh, Craig, how about you? Just Twitter uh, at Craig R. Stansberry. Okay. Nice. Fair enough. Yeah. Nick, how about yourself? Um, at Twitter at Nick Russo 42518 and also my website NJRUSMC.net. 42518. Sounds suspicious of like an IE number. It is. That's your number. All right. Very nice. <laughs> uh, I'm sure most of you know me by now, but I'm at BC Jordan on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a whole catalog of networking centric content that you can find on networkcollective.com. If you'd like to subscribe and have these episodes pushed to you as soon as they're released, 
Uh, you can find us on all the regular podcast sites like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and well, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we also, you know, love to engage with you all. So if you want to chat with us, you can find us on social media. We're at NetCollectivePC on Twitter, and then you can sign, find us as Network Collective both on Facebook and LinkedIn. So I think that uh, officially wraps it up. Uh, thank you all for joining me on the show today. Thanks to all who listened, and we will see you next time.